0: You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates, and you're listening to the largest, fastest growing podcast for Toronto real estate on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Today, we're gonna talk about students and the impact that they're having on our rental market, as well as the new strategy that I'm seeing play out among landlords as you're investing in the downtown core. We're gonna get into some stats and then talk a little bit about my expectations on kind of where we go from here. As a broker investor myself, I wanna know what's going on in our market, and I like to study these things and keep my finger on the pulse with the latest news, and share it with you guys, friends out there that are also curious and kind of looking for some sense of direction, someone to explain the information that's being thrown at them, maybe chew on it a little bit, and that is precisely what we've been doing for the last little bit. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show, bell for notifications, hit the like button, all of the things, all of the buttons, whatever it takes. If you haven't already, please leave us an iTunes review, especially if you've been getting a lot of value from our show, but I'm really excited about today because I believe that students could be driving the rental market. Then again, aren't medical students just graduating online from now on? Google Docs? <laughs> uh, nailed it. Anyways, that, no, apparently not. Apparently they want to go back to school. And that is some of the major headlines that are hitting us today. And that's precisely what we're going to talk about. What I find super interesting and these are we're going to be coming at it from different angles today all of which is impacted by the student. that is obviously the university student, the person, actually, even at other levels, we're seeing some changes in the rental market, in the purpose-built side. And I also want to get into the condo space, where there's some interest or opportunities for people, what that market kind of looks like. We just came out of our last episode talking about what stats we saw in the month of July. And we very briefly talked about condos, just kind of in passing in the rental space. We talked about how... It's getting extremely busy. Rent rates are climbing. We're gonna share some of those numbers again today, but I wanted to start off with a little bit of history. And I wanna really break this down because obviously when we're talking about rentals, we're talking about a massive group Right? We're talking about both freehold and condos, but I want to focus on the condos. So just to kind of leave freehold in a different pile, I want to share with you a, a post from Zeland on Twitter. This is what he says, GTA, so outside of Toronto, GTA, it's all of actually including Toronto, single family rentals handled 2020 exceptionally well. You guys will recall, I mean, we saw a lot of dropping in the downtown core, but these outer skirt communities, in fact, actually saw Massive rises in a lot of cases in the rental. But now that segment is weakening dramatically. You can flip all the stats we saw in 2020 on their head as it relates to what's going on downtown versus out of town. He says this, if the situation doesn't improve by September, October, talking a month or two, it would be reasonable to expect rent prices to plateau or even peak for single family rentals. With that in mind, obviously the conversation we're having today is not about that it doesn't sound, it doesn't ring that same, it doesn't, what is it? It beat the same drum, doesn't ring true. And so I wanted to kind of leave that because this perception of everyone's leaving the city in this kind of forever a runaway situation, not true, not true. In fact, we're seeing a lot of people, a lot of students coming back into the Toronto area. So what I wanna do is I wanna move and have the rest of our conversation talking about condos or purpose-built apartments, these kind of units that are in the downtown core that service the city, and they paint a very different picture. Zealand said this, GTA weekly rental market update. Now this includes everything, but listen, so far rental inventory is holding up well in the light of international student arrival. So things seem to be pretty good, but when you break it down further, condo inventory is going down. But non-condo is going up, keeping the total relatively stable. For just as much challenge being faced in the outskirts communities, that the exact opposite. I mean, I guess they're both their unique challenges depending on what side you're on. Are you the landlord or the tenant? Where do you? What are you hoping for in this situation? But where we're seeing some struggling happening in the outskirts is actually being balanced out by a lot of strength on the side of rental increases downtown resale inventory keeps shrinking likely to post new lows in august and we see a steady bounce in the numbers obviously by the end of the month, we see a lot of these units disappear. So there's a natural kind of hump that happens every month. So when we look at the stats and we're seeing that continue to play out, we see this little bounce that's not really outperforming the last few months. There's a lot of stability between those two segments. But when we dive, dive, dive into condos, that's when we can start talking about students because students have a massive impact in the month of August, probably into September, as they can they come to our country from out of country. We're going to talk about different examples, but they're really driving up the demand for this type of space, which brings me to our article of the day. We have a few of them today, but this is kind of going to be our leading article, the Globe and Mail, and it's called this, Toronto sees back to school rush for accommodation students prepare to return to the city. Toronto's real estate rental market is firming up in the past three weeks. Overseas students have begun making plans to return to the city. One of the big questions that I had going into this was vaccinations, right? Obviously we got, we're talking about vaccine passports and what does that look like for someone to come to the country and also other countries like I'm thinking China and India, they have their own vaccines that aren't recognized by Canada. So how does that all play into this? But Nevertheless, we are seeing still a demand. We're seeing an increase in expectation and people are locking down those units. Now, when we look at vacancy rates, they are dropping. According to Urban Nation, a survey of newer purpose-built apartment buildings found this. The vacancy rate, just to put into context, last year was 2.1% in the second quarter. That was obviously in the midst of COVID and the first lockdown and all of that. Before that, it was actually sub 1%, but still. 2% 2% from this time last year. Well, first quarter, 2021, beginning of the year, 6.5%, a huge jump in vacancy. Vacancy meaning empty units or units that are looking for tenants and they can't fill them. Well, that number has now begun to drop. Not back down to 2%, but dropped from 65 down to 5.2% in the second quarter. And I would argue this wasn't really students at this time. I think a lot of the students are gonna be making their move now in the third quarter. So, what is the impact that they're going to have? Obviously we're seeing a tighter second quarter year over year. It's still kind of out of whack, but month over month we're seeing increasing demand and increasing price. Therefore, well new leases are rising. The number of new leases signed for condo apartments in the core surged 129% in the second quarter from the same period last year, which is not much information. I mean, again, given that it was in the middle of COVID, but still interesting. I mean, to have a 130% increase in the number of, I think at the time, a lot of people just kind of froze. They took their opportunity to not pay their rent and it created all this conflict. We'll talk about one of those examples today as well. But the question, I guess now, it's not so much staying bunk, hunker down, avoiding paying your rent, you know, getting more space, being able to socially distance in your unit even. The question now is in the 2021 world, what is more important to the tenant? Is it the money or is it the space? Is it the type of unit or is it the cost of the unit? Well, the firm's research shows that renters have remained budget conscious and haven't necessarily been seeking more space coming out of the pandemic. Well, wait a minute. So space is not as big a concern for these types of units as expected. Well, no, at least not in the downtown core. So what's happening now is we've got this race for cheap units, which is still at a significant bargain, but we also have a fear of missing out among students who are now hoping to find those units, maybe even sight unseen in the student accommodation segment, a sudden rush is prompting some students to bid up monthly rents and offer large deposits. Students attending U of T Ryerson, George Brown are searching for condo units and rental apartments downtown. I don't know why people go to post-secondary anymore, you know, you got massive debt <laughs> and you learn something that won't apply to your job, but I think you should just invest in real estate. Isn't that what we've learned over the last couple of years? Maybe not. Only some of us. The only difference between an art student and a philosophy student is a philosophy student asks you why you want fries with that. <laughs> uh, and then what, when I hear people ask about affordability, it's like, what do you consider affordable to buy a property? I, like you can save up in five years. That's semi-affordable. I would still say that's kind of out of reach. Well, we're talking almost a quarter of a century in saving for that down payment and good luck working at that drive through in order to save that much money. Cause I bet you that's probably not the average salary. Anyways, anyways, rant gone. Let's move on. Meanwhile, we aren't even sure if they'll be back in classrooms. This is the mystery too, right? We have this surge in cases, obviously among the unvaccinated, but still. What does that mean? Does that mean we have a passport that allows businesses to stay open? Does it mean businesses shut down? Does it mean in-class learning even happens? Well, even if they don't know if there will be learning in a lecture hall, in the laboratory or online, students are putting themselves in a position for a return. Almost out of necessity, they are betting that they're going to need to be available to be on campus. So here's some examples. We have one student who offered to pay five months rent up front. Three months is pretty, you know, that's a nice like here, here's some extra, but five months. Another, check this, was willing to pay a full year in advance. So it's not just about, it's like, I have the money. These are rental students. Why not buy it? You would argue, but they have the money. They just want a place to stay and they want to buy someone out. If you had that as an option, not too shabby. Quote, they offered one full year up front without seeing the unit because they're still in China. They can't see it anyway. So, you know, I'm good. Another example was recently there's a three-bedroom basement apartment that the owner was willing to lease for $25 a month and the student who leased it offered $2,700 a month, a couple hundred over. At 7 Chart our Carlton Street, they're listing a one bedroom plus den unit for 2750. In April there were 10 listings in the one building. At the end of July there's only one. Somewhere between July and today these units have all but disappeared because of the competition from folks like students. Well, How's it hitting investors? Because this is kind of when we're looking at it from maybe we'll get back into the student side and kind of what's how that's all working. But I want to look at it from an investor's perspective because they mentioned it here in the article. While the rental market was in freefall, investors were not interested in buying. I know a lot of people pulled back. They said, no, I'm not doing it. And and also not, maybe not buy a rental unit, but converting their existing home into a rental unit and purchasing something. It just didn't seem like a fair bet, but the current environment of low interest rates and a strengthening rental market is drawing those buyers back. And I would even say potential of a rising interest rate, that, that risk of that coming is acting slightly as a reason to kind of get in now before those rates get higher with that kind of expectation in mind. Well, rent rates are rising quickly now. So that concern of there's not going to be money there. There's no opportunity for me and my, in my investment. Well, in the first quarter, the average rent for a one bedroom in Toronto was just under $1,890. In the second quarter, the average monthly rent for a one bedroom was 2,082 in, in the second quarter. However, quote, the lease rates are still a bargain from what, They were. We're playing catch up quite a bit, but those numbers are jumping very sharply, very sharply rising, and and that's the comedy of when we're sitting back and we're seeing this kind of change. We're seeing the dynamic in the months of inventory. We're seeing some competition picking up. I believe that's why it's important we track these things early on because yes, there's a bargain in here, but man, would there have been a better bargain? We're talking in the neighborhood of. What is that? $200 a month. Had you been able to act a month or two sooner? As we were discussing that there's this transition that's happening earlier in the year. Well, then one of the million dollar questions, and some people still don't have the, they're not convinced by the answer is why would you buy a condo if you're out of pocket? I mean, if you're only going to make $2,000 a month in rent, and maybe they're paying the utilities, you're still short, simple math, Tells you that even with the rates that we have today. Well, it's been the case for several years. This isn't a new adventure that many investors are out of pocket in monthly cash flow because they're carrying costs for mortgage expenses, right? Condo fees are higher than the current rents. Well, quote, mainly what people are seeing is opportunity to, to participate in appreciation. What does that mean? That means there's a level of confidence coming back to the appreciation portion of the condo. You can stomach the few hundred dollars a month loss if you can see price appreciation. Few thoughts about this. Yes, that is speculative in nature. Not type of investment that I personally will make. I believe cash flow is essential in kind of riding things out, but the opportunity to see appreciation in the downtown core, I mean, I I can I see the draw of that. I mean, check, you know, buy your lottery ticket and naturally i believe the appreciation will outperform in the downtown core the other side to this whether you're willing to take a couple months loss no big deal i mean people are willing to leave them vacant because they're just looking at the stability as parking money from other countries but you can generate cash flow even though they say how can you actually meet your expenses the numbers say you can generate cash flow in a condo downtown the trade off is you need to put more money down. You need to reduce those expenses as much as possible. And the easiest way to do that is in the equity you have in the home and the, the lower mortgage amount. So, whether you're putting 40 or 50% down in that condo, maybe there's an opportunity there. But a lot of investors who are extremely excited about appreciation would much rather have two units at 25% than one unit at 50%. Again, because I'm not here for the cash flow, I'm here for the appreciation. And boy, do they appreciate it right now. Well, what's their forecast for the fall? And then I want to kind of, we're going to, we're going to segue a little bit here. Well, we're seeing landlords who are over being landlords. One of the examples, and, um, and I'm going to kind of loop this in. I just want, I think this is really interesting because it shows that dynamic, that tension that's formed between the landlords and the tenants. A blog to article that came out said residents of Toronto apartment buildings. This is over three buildings, uh, two properties. Bring a hundred complaints to management. Here was a Twitter post. I thought explained it well. Tenants today at West Lodge and 128 Sheridan confronted Hazelview about doing cosmetic work and offering new, more expensive units instead of addressing problems in occupied ones. We're going to take care of the common areas. We're going to take care of the vacant units, and we're going to get. Get those up as a priority over little grandma who's been there for 10 years. She got cockroaches and I mean, she's been living with them for the last couple years. Who cares? Why not put our dollars to work in other ways? Well, they say it's obvious what Hazel Hazel is trying to pull and tenants are determined to turn this process around. So the complaints range from rats, mice, cockroaches, and even a severe bed bug outbreak to repairs needed for holes in the walls, broken tiles, leaks, and a huge problem with mold. I got all these issues and here you guys are spending lots and lots of money on the units that are sitting empty. In fact, they got 200 units sitting empty. Quote, there has been a huge uptick in pests since they started construction on the building last summer and this summer, everything is just shook up to the point where they have so many vacant units. The neighboring public school Parkdale is saying that they're feeling it. They've got a decrease in enrollment and funding. So we've got all these units sitting empty. Well, I guess the first question is, why would you leave units empty? Well, could it be, or could one of the factors be, that rental increases are coming? Maybe there's an opportunity that they see that we don't. But one of the other things that I wanted to talk about that I think is more obvious is why you would renovate empty units instead of the tenanted ones. Because, yeah, it's nice to say they're going to take care of grandma who's been a committed tenant for many, many years. Well, the thing in Ontario is we value, keeping rents controlled. And so if I'm gonna add all of these other expenses, now obviously there's loopholes that can be associated, but generally it's very difficult for me to boost the rent on a unit that's tenanted. So my opportunity to increase in value happens in those empty units. The other thing that you need to keep in mind that doesn't really get into in this article is the way you increase value in multifamily or purpose-built apartments. The way you do that is by by decreasing your cap rates by having these improvements. So if you can get the new pool or a new lobby, and then you're able to increase each of these units, even a hundred dollars makes a massive difference to the bottom line value of that property. You have a unit sitting vacant, in some ways is actually more glamorous when you, even when you go to sell it, because there's a there's really an opportunity for you to get the highest market rents at the time. And in a market environment, which will not or perceived will not decrease in amounts. If anything, there's a lot of room for upside. You want to be able to have that building position to get the maximum rent possible. That's what they're doing. They're looking at it as an investment. How dare they invest in their investment? Well, This isn't a charity for tenants. I think that's important to note. Do I believe we should protect the tenant? Yes, absolutely. Is that the landlord's primary concern? Not really. If you want assistance, call someone who cares, right? Like the government. Government will do it for you. They've been handling it well so far. Or you can call maybe a a philanthropic celebrity. I don't know. (laughs) Post Malone, right? The Post Malone Rent Forgiveness Service. It's called Post Malone's Postpone Malone's. (laughs) <laughs> oh, but landlords who have a heart, what we saw was some of them made through, they had good communication with their tenants. They, those guys did well, but there was a lot of ignorant landlords that got steamrolled, absolutely crushed in 2020, taken advantage of. So the article continues in the Globe and Mail. According to them, there were some owners who are thinking about listing in the fall. They're sick of this journey they've been on the last couple of years, and they expect inventory to increase, therefore slightly. However... They also expect, as do I, more potential tenants and buyers will be on the hunt. I think this is a little bit tricky though, because we're talking about the driving force being the students, but really what they're suggesting is students aren't going to be running here in October, November. The students is step one. There is a further demand with hopefully reopenings and the city coming back to life that is expected out of this article as well, which I also believe. I believe the students is a trigger. It's kind of an indication of what's to come, but it's not necessarily the whole package deal. It can't be, because if it was, we would see a change in direction after the students go back in the fall. Quote, I think we're going to have a really busy fall market for leases and for selling and buying. I think that's a therefore for selling and buying. And those things, I all agree. I all agree with. If you missed our last show, please go back and have a listen and you'll hear why that is. But let's get let's get into the new strategy. What is the new strategy that we're seeing? The one that I'm recognizing that's kind of playing out. We've seen it in a lot of the numbers. I'll give you evidence for it now. But we're seeing all of these things, all these moving parts. What does this mean for the investor? How are they going to, what is the strategy that is changing? Well, here it is you'll begin to see more investors turning back to long-term rentals than short-term rentals. Now hear me out. There's a blog view article called Condo prices are tanking in Toronto's downtown party neighborhoods. They say a new report from the real estate data analyst Strata indicates that while Toronto condo prices are well on their way and rebounding the pandemic induced lull across from the lull across the board, a few neighborhoods are actually seeing an opposite trend emerge. This is where rentals can now transition into um, the overall market. And that's what's happening quote party neighborhoods like King and Queen West are still sitting at March levels with the village at its lowest since January. I think we would be ignorant to, to not notice there's a difference. There's, Again, all of these things, when you're looking at how, what is my property doing, I sure hope you guys aren't taking a podcast like this to get values or to estimate what's going on in your neighborhood. It absolutely matters the areas that you're in. And there's a perfect example of it. But the rental demand is still strong enough in areas known for their entertainment value. So the rental demand is still there though. Why would prices go down? Buyers don't seem to be flocking here that much. There's less interest there. And I believe... I'm reading between the lines. The reason for that is why would I invest in an area that has weak tenants or tenants that aren't strong? I want that stability. I want that kind of consistency. And obviously with the appreciation not happening, there's a little bit of a steamroll that happens where people say, well, I'm not going there either, right? You're not got the appreciation. You haven't been experiencing the growth. Doesn't seem like a, a fair bet for me. Even if, even if, Rent rates are fine. Even if rentals are going great, I don't wanna be a part of that because the appreciation is lacking. The appreciation is lacking because the tenants aren't as good. Here's one of the evidences, I think that really drilled that one home. You can rent a fully furnished unit, which was like the, the best case scenario, right? Well, COVID happened. Now you can rent a fully furnished unit for the same or less in some areas than a vacant unit, A lot of people are steering their attention away from the short-term rentals, this kind of fast cash, getting someone in there, let's have a party, let's make the money. And they're recognizing the growth, the opportunity, the appreciation that happens in the condo space, which we've been experiencing. And now the rising strength of the rental space and they're redirecting their attention back into long-term rentals. In fact, we even see developers doing that same maneuver. They see the opportunity there. Builders coming back saying, let's build more of these. Anyways, that's what I got for you today. If you haven't already, please subscribe, hit that like button. If you're getting value out of our conversation and you know somebody else that will, I really, really do appreciate the chats that we have. I believe there's a lot of There's a lot of numbers, a lot of information out there, but there's not a lot of conversations happening about my favorite subject. And if you are getting value out of our show, please hit that share button, share it to Instagram, and you can tag me at Watson Estates. And I will see you guys next time. Take care and keep it real.